What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Today, we led off with an NBA trade deadline recap. Sean and I went up and down all the trades, and then following that, we talked our Super Bowl predictions quickly, and then we went over all of my props, and Sean gave me some feedback on what he thought of them. So we will be back next week to break down the results of the Super Bowl and everything NBA, golf, whatever else comes at us. So enjoy the pod, enjoy the Super Bowl, and we will be talking to you next week. into episode 278 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We are here on a Thursday, Tom, as we promised. We are post-NBA trade deadline. We are a couple days from Super Bowl 57, and I think even when we signed off Monday, I don't even know if we could have anticipated how much we were going to talk about today. Yeah, uh, much more of a jam-packed pod than we thought, but we're, we're really rolling on this podcast. But would you mind just giving me about, I don't know, 30 seconds to be the asshole next fan? That I never am. I was, I was going to let you go for as long as you want. So if 30 seconds is all you want to take, it's, that's fine. But it's all go. I need because I'm just going to – it's not the Nets' fault, you know. It's it's truly not. Um, but with that being said, you know, you're fucking second-class citizens. Welcome back to reality. Kevin Durant, get the fuck out of here. I'll pack your bags for you. All that we're going to remember is your fucking big toe. You're never claiming New York. See you the fuck later. Bye, Kyrie Irving. This team is back to being right where it was a couple of years ago with just less of their own draft picks. Um, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Go hightail it to Phoenix. See you later. New York wasn't for you. You went to the second best team when you could have gone to the first. Both of you can go fuck yourselves. Strong. Strong. Not inaccurate aside from could have gone to the first because uh, – I don't know if you're aware of this, Tom, but it's not like your New York Knicks have painted themselves in glory. Sure, uh, but the one it, thing I will say why. is with James Dolan, I am confident that James Dolan would not have fully let the inmates run the asylum. And that's probably why they didn't go to the Knicks in the first place. That's precisely why. Um, yeah, I mean, James Dolan has had his problems uh, that are well documented. But, you know, Phil Jackson being one of them, we can go on down the line. But let's not do this now. This isn't about the Knicks. This is about the... Probably biggest failure uh, in sports recent history. Um, I don't. I, I think you so have hard. to call it a failure, man. I, I mean, yeah. let's just let's but just I, be fair about and the, it. And the problem is, is that the, is that KD and Kyrie are never going to get the blame. But you know, it 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 is their fault. Like I Kyrie's don't blame getting a lot that. of blame. Kyrie's getting a lot yeah, of blame. Yeah, yeah. Well. In other things, I think, but I, I don't think the Nets should get off completely scot-free because I do think that it was on them that they did let the inmates run the asylum from the rip and that they should have put their foot down on certain things, right? But, you know, with that being said, like, KD linking up with Kyrie, huge mistake. KD and Kyrie pushing for Harden, clearly a huge mistake, Um I mean, I, I don't I don't fully blame the Nets, and I have to say, and I think you're going to completely agree with me, if I'm a Nets fan, if I'm the Nets organization, um, I, I would do it 10 times over. And this is probably the worst result you get out of the 10 times you simulate this, but I would do it every single time I was presented with it. You guys are 
the second team in New York, you have a chance to get a title. You go out and you get those superstars. You know you would do it again. We've talked about it at nauseum uh, most recently Friday and Monday about why, you know, you dare to be great. I know I use that corny line, but you have to in this league. This is a superstars league. If you don't have superstars, you don't win in this league. It is what it is. And, you know, the reason that it's Kyrie and the Nets are not completely absolved either. I mean, as the day went on, I was reading a lot of stuff from Winhorst and from Mike Scotto and, a couple other reporters that are, you know, keyed into the intricacies of all of this. And, you know, it sounded like everything went sour after the Nets continued to placate to every request, desire, uh, wish of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant that once they finally put their foot down, which started in the beginning of the 2021-22 season when Kyrie Irving didn't get vaccinated and they said, we don't even want you playing road games. That was the beginning of the end. Um, and Kyrie yeah, but Irving then they waffled. Of all of this. They waffled, and that was when they lost organizational control. Because then you're like, okay, you have no conviction. You're doing this out of desperation because you're hovering around 500. Durant's playing an insane amount of minutes. Harden's playing an insane amount of minutes. The rest of the supporting cast isn't very good. But Kyrie's at the root of all of this. I mean, let's just you know connect the dots, man. If Kyrie. I mean, obviously, unprecedented circumstances with the vaccine, unprecedented circumstances with New York City's mandate um, that was completely different than so many other markets in in this country. But Kyrie, of course, deciding to be the contrarian that he is, doesn't get the shot. The big three don't play together. That forces Harden to want out because Durant's hurt and missing time. That forces the Nets to bottom out. That forces Durant to ask about what's going on with this franchise. Kyrie waffling in the summer finally picks up his one-year option because, of course, he was going to at the last moment. And then you have the KD trade request. I mean, Tom, am I wrong? Kyrie's at the middle of all of this. I know the Nets obviously should have been a little bit more, you know, they should have been a little bit more adult in the room, so to speak, from the get-go. But that was not going to be possible once once they brought in these free agents and said, okay, this organization is yours. I think the Nets deserve a little bit more grief than, you know, oh, what what did you want us to do? Um, but again, this is kind of what you get when you hit your wagon to Kyrie Irving. You get what you get. I mean, the Mavericks are going to experience it uh, if they re-sign him next season. Again, I, I predict he had an excellent game last night. I watched most of it. Um, I predict he's going to have a great year to go and get that contract, the great second half. But if they re-sign him, he's going to blow it up there. And and you know what you're going to get when it comes to Kyrie Irving. And it's a big stain on Kevin Durant's record, in my opinion, because I, I think Nets fans, it sucks. I think Kevin Durant suffered the most, truly, because he wasted, what, three and a half years of his career? Yeah. You know? Well, one of the years he was recovering from, from Achilles, but yeah. Very true. So two and a half years, right? Regardless, it, it, he, it, he the Nets were basically in limbo. Um, the biggest, single biggest cock tease of all time. Because if you look back at when his toe was on the line, you could easily argue that the Nets could have won a title that year and probably would have run away with the title that year. Um, and we'd be talking different things right now because at least you get the ring out of it. Um, and, you know, I, it's it's there's just so many layers to unpeel. We could do a podcast recapping 2019 when they signed to now. 
uh, for four hours. Uh, but I do think the Nets harbor a lot of blame, and you can't just say it's Kyrie's fault because at the end of the day, he's the player, you're the organization. Um, but, you know, I have to say, Sean, you know, uh, my gut when, when Kyrie – uh, first requested this trade, and we did our emergency podcast um, before he got traded, I did say, uh, my gut was telling me I didn't think Kevin Durant was long for this. Now, logic, I'm not saying you talked me out of it because I agreed with you. Logic made me say, oh, that's way too much. I think that he's going to play it out to the end of the season. But I we we kind of did see this coming a little bit that this this is a very big possibility. I'm I'm still shocked it happened. I thought it was going to be more of a summer offseason thing, but we did have a little prediction in there to give us a little credit to give this podcast a little credit. I'm not going to take all of it. No, we deserve a lot of credit for it because I mean, listen, it was it was re- very reminiscent of the summer when it wasn't sure if Kyrie was going to pick up his option or if he was just going to decline it and sign somewhere else and KD wasn't speaking to the organization and he was harboring ill will towards a lot of roster decisions and whatnot and here's the one thing I'll say the Nets obviously wanted to ship Kyrie out of there they they got Dinwiddie Finney Smith in the first um you know the KD thing it seemed to happen because as they were having ongoing conversations throughout the week we recorded Monday and as the week was going on You know, it didn't seem like he was invested like he usually is. He wasn't on the bench at the home games. He wasn't tweeting about Cam Thomas like he usually does, who's on a heater right now, and a bunch of those other guys. And it just seemed like, okay, you know, you really do have to make the decision. And, Tom, I wasn't expecting it, but when I woke up this morning to the litany of texts of, you know, getting the news, it it sounds awful. I was kind of relieved. Because it just, you don't want a half-bought-in Kevin Durant who's rehabbing from injury. He might take a little bit longer to come back from injury. You know this is a ticking time bomb in the summer that they're going to trade him. And here's the thing, man. They got what they were trying to get from Phoenix in the summer. They wanted yeah, Bridges. I think that new Phoenix owner. said no. They wanted the four first-round pick unprotected. And Phoenix wouldn't do it. I think they offered two in the summer. So the Nets sent Durant to his preferred destination. Shams reported that that was the only team the Nets were in negotiations with. So they did right by Durant. They sent him where he wanted to be. They got a better package than they otherwise would have from the Suns if they had just acquiesced to Durant in the summer. And now you don't have to have this hanging over your head and these young players had him. And think about being Nick Claxton and Cam Thomas and some of these guys who have been in the league for two years, three years, and what they've had to witness over that time. Just hand the keys of the franchise to them. Let them build. You brought in some really nice pieces. I know we'll talk about it more in depth here coming up, but I think it was just a relief. It sucks. It's like that relationship you're trying to hold on to, even though you know it's best for both of you guys to break up because there were so many great feelings and you had so many great memories together. But at the end of the day, you need a clean slate. And that kind of is how it feels today, despite being melancholy. I agree with you, but I also think it sucks a lot more than you're leading on. I think you're trying to be no, strong it sucks a lot, for it your sucks Brooklyn Nets. Because you said it, it at the sucks. beginning, it's it, it's probably an all-time faux pas across the board. You know, blame it sprinkled sucks. all over the place, but it is... People are going to talk about this. And, and I don't want to compare it to the KG and trade and whatnot because the Nets literally got nothing for that. At least the Nets aren't going to be, with this roster, they're not going to be, um, you know, a top three worst team in the league. 
they're, they're going to be good enough to fight for a playoff position. If not end up in the actual playing game, they will be fine. So it's not that bad, but just the two is just such a stain on this franchise's record. And, you know, you're in the Minnesota Vikings, um, you know, no, we're, we uh, are name, as name tortured of a, tortured, yeah. We are as tortured of a franchise as any franchise, and we've you know they've moved around a lot. They you know New Jersey, Brooklyn. They were in New York when they started on Long Island. Like they've been all over the fucking place. They haven't really had um, a national a, a national reason to be exciting. But what's weird is they have these pop up stretches. It seems like almost every decade. Mm-hmm. Where you had that Drazen Petrovic with uh, with Derek Coleman era, where they were in the playoffs every year, and then it was obviously the Jason Kidd, uh, Kenyon Martin years, which turned into the Jason Kidd Vince Carter years, that turned into the Darren Williams, Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson, bringing Pierce Garnett. And now this run, so it's kind of a weird history of a franchise that's never won. But like I said, man, it doesn't take away. Two things can be true. It sucks. You traded the best player. In your franchise's history, a top 10 player, 8 player, maybe when it's all said and done of all time. But you had to do it. You had to rip the Band-Aid off. This wasn't going to work for either party. And again, it's like, I said this to my friend the other night, and I truly meant it. They came back and won a crazy game against Washington on Saturday, and they hung with the Clippers and almost beat the Suns, ironically enough, the other night. With Cam Thomas putting up 40 pieces, Claxton playing all-world defense, and you're getting these contributions. And I'm like, I know it's not resulting in anything close to what could be a title, but it was some of the most fun I've had watching the team because it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about Kyrie doing this. And like, oh, am I watching him for his last couple games? Oh, Durant's doing this, but he's going to ask out. He's not actually happy. It's like, all right, I get to watch this version of basketball again is does it beat the alternative of course not you want to watch a team that's competing for a championship but let's be frank man even through you from the outside looking in this has not been a fun team over the last couple of years no it hasn't and i just want to give myself kudos again for for kind of pseudo predicting this not a big deal <laughs> um you know I, I did say it's on wax on this podcast that uh, I, I had a feeling that this was going to happen in my gut, but then my head got in the way as well as your logic, which made sense. I, I'm more shocked than anything else because I really didn't think that this would happen until the summer. Um, but I think that the new owner in Phoenix combined with the, although Kevin Durant didn't go public with this, this time, I think he was raising hell behind closed doors. Shout out to the Nets for not leaking that. That's a, that's, that's a classy move. I'll give him credit for that. Um, I think that all pushed it to get it done. Um, but yeah, I, I, this team, and you can talk about sliding doors, whether it be Harden getting traded from OKC originally, or Michael Jordan getting drafted behind Sam Bowie, or, you know, Carmelo getting drafted after um, what's the guy on Detroit's face, the big tall guy, whatever. You could talk about all these sliding doors. This was the weirdest four years team I think I, I, I can think of, honestly. Like, you tell me that you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then you had also James Harden. And between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they played 74 games combined in three and a half years and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden played what 16 games combined. Like the fact that these guys were all on this team together is going to be so forgotten because there's just nothing memorable out of it. 
it's going to be forgotten because it also happened on a team and in a franchise that isn't memorable. Yeah. You know, in, because the, in, in the history of the sport. You think about it like kids that are just being born today or whatever, they're going to be like, that get into hoops, they're going to be like, wait a minute, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden were on the Nets for a while? Like, what? <laughs> I know. Not, and I not just for that too. Not just for like... Uh, you know, half a season, and then they all went their separate ways, and whatever they were on the team for in Kyrie and Kevin Durant for four years. It's it's wild. No, it is. It really is. Um, it like I said, it, it's something that you you do over ten times, and probably only once does this does this outcome take place. I think more than in the extenuating yeah, circumstances, more than. More than 50% of the time, I think you at least end up with one title. Yeah, or at least a, at least an NBA Finals appearance. Like, there yeah. are those here. I mean, because, like, even those New Jersey Nets teams, you know, they were, they went to two straight finals. Now, they're forgettable because they lost to a three-peat uh, Laker team and the Spurs. Dynastic Spurs team. But they were in two straight finals. Yep. I mean, What's hilarious is this iteration of the Nets won as many playoff series in, I guess we can call it one year if you count Harden, but as, as the Pierce Garnett team, they won yep. that first round series against Toronto and then lost to Miami. So it really is pretty crazy. And I, like I said, man, I'm just ready to move on. It had to, it had to be done. I didn't think it could get to, I didn't think it would be done early just because I didn't think a framework of that deal. But I guess from the conversations that they already had in the summer, getting the new owner to come in basically as soon as, as the trade deadline was, was ending, you know, 36 hours left. And then obviously getting them to fork over the four unprotected first and Mikael Bridges. And then it was like, great. Everybody's happy. Durant went to the team he wanted. The Nets got a very, very lofty, package back in return with two really good young players good wings and then four unprotected first i mean they have to recoup some of that some of the trade capital or draft capital rather that went to houston oh yeah for sure and they got that and a lot more um but i do think i said it earlier you said it the biggest thing probably 90 percent of why this trade got done was because the suns just put their new owner in place yeah, kudos to kudos to him. I mean, listen, this team, the Suns are a tortured franchise too. They have had some some historic teams. You know that Barkley team that lost to Jordan. Mm-hmm. They had obviously the D'Antoni years with Nash and Stoudemire. Going and back even earlier. Yeah, I mean the '76 team that lost to uh, Boston, and then obviously you know the team that was up 2-0 two years ago on Milwaukee. I mean, this is a team that is pushing all their chips to the front of the table, and I think it's great on them. The West is wide open. I think that they're going to be the team to beat. I know we love Denver, but if if Chris Paul and those two guys are healthy, Durant and and Booker, you got to say they're the favorites, right? A hundred percent, and I guess we'll segue into that. Yeah, I think they're the that they're. I love Denver and I love what they're doing, but I just don't think that those three, if healthy, are are and Aiton as well. They held on to Aiton, are are going to be stopped. I Who's just been think, playing better lately. Yes, I, I just think, I think Durant just puts that team so far over the top because, you know, the 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 Suns' problem was that every once in a while, when Chris Paul wasn't out there orchestrating, because whether he's hurt or he needs rest or whatever. They couldn't orchestrate an offense. And now 
Kevin Durant, no matter where you put him in any planet, Mars, wherever, he is an automatic bucket. If he wants to get two points, he's going to get two points. I think he's the perfect player for this team to slide in there. Well, when we've seen it with Golden State, I mean, this is not a team he's building like the one with Brooklyn that was hypothetically being built on the fly. You've got your main pieces in Aiton and Paul and now a healthy Booker who just came back the other night. So as long as health it can, you know, is good, this team should be ready to freaking go. I, I don't want to hear any excuses about how the Nets gutted their, you know, their depth. That's too fucking bad. You have no other choice. You just got one of the top three players in the league. Um, and I think now this West is going to be fucking awesome. And I just got to say, Tom, the heat that was already turned up on this little budding Mavs and Suns rivalry just got thrown into the fucking flamethrower. Like this is yeah. going to be iconic. Can I ask one thing? Can we, let's try and talk about Kyrie Irving off the court as little as possible. Now I'm so tired of it. He had some, yeah, no, I'm some done. quotes that were so, if you want to talk about him on the court, because you know, he's one of my favorite players on the court. Yeah. The fact that he slid in and put up the stats that he put up last night was amazing. Um, but not surprising. When but you not. text me and said Mavs offense is cooking, I'm like, of course it is. Yeah, of course. I mean, they came out and they literally hit every shot that they that they took, it seemed. But Reggie Bullock last night looked like fucking Larry Bird. Um, but I, I don't want to talk about him off the court. He had some more asinine comments that he made after Kevin Durant got traded. I'm putting that to bed. Um, yeah, he's done, and I think we need to be done with it. And, Tom, just circling back to the Nets real fast. I do want to talk about this from the trade deadline standpoint. I found it fascinating that they didn't make any other trades because I want to read you this roster and tell you and just get your thoughts on how awkward it is from the guard and wing standpoint. Well, they got every Spencer wing in the Din- league. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie, Edmund Sumner, who's been very good. Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, Mr. 40 point a nighter. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Yuta Wananabe, one of the top three-point shooters this year, Dorian Finney-Smith, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal. Then you got Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons, and Daron Sharp. Like, the fact they didn't go out and get another center or trade from some of this crazy depth in the wings and the guard position, I don't know how the hell they're going to figure out who to play and what roles to play. I know they want to make the playoffs this year. Mark said it as such. But it's like, man, Jacques Vaughn, you've got your fucking – They got a better chance if they – if they tried to consolidate that roster a little bit. I mean, honestly, I think to me, after the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving thing, that front office was just so exhausted, they just couldn't do it. Um, That's the only thing it says to me. Uh, But you do have two really good young guys in Cam Johnson and Bridges that you brought in, along with Finney Smith that you got, and Dinwiddie's a nice contract to have. I think that they're going to be able to have some flexibility in the offseason, along with the draft picks that they recoup from Dallas, Philly, and now the Phoenix Suns that who the hell knows, maybe there's a 2020 you know, a 2040 draft pick tucked in there, but at the end of the day... Listen to this draft hall that the Nets right now are walking into. Just until 2029, they have their own first in 2023 that Houston can swap, which they won't. The 76ers first, the Suns first. In 2025, their own first, again, that Houston can swap if they choose, the Suns first. In 2025, a second rounder. 2027, their own first, the 76ers first. Uh, 2027, the, Ma- the Suns first, the Mavericks second. You've got the Nets in 2028 have their own. In 2028, they have two seconds. In 2029, they have their own first and the Suns first. 
I mean, they are loaded with draft capital now. That's why I was so surprised that you couldn't go pry a John Collins or you couldn't go pry, you know, a Sadiq Bay or, you know, maybe find a way to go get a center like a Mo Bamba because Nick Claxton is your only real center unless you want to play Ben Simmons there, which I guess is their plan. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like talking about second-round draft picks. I know there's a few money second-round draft picks, including Jokic is the most glaring, but I don't really care about them. But they do have a lot of firsts. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think that their work should have been done, honestly. That's another that's another black mark next to their front office. This is a rinky-dink team, a lot of names on a piece of paper, but a lot of them play the same position. And you can only have five out on the floor. I don't know if the Nets know that, but... <laughs> unless they change the rules of basketball after the after the all-star break last time I checked you can only have five out on the floor and they just have a bunch of six six guys yeah I know it's it's really weird well let's let's continue to talk about the totality of this trade because it ended up being a four-teamer mm-hmm. so obviously we talked about Durant to Phoenix that was the biggest part but you know what they also got TJ Warren who I think the Nets have been you know load managing him a lot former son. Back from his injuries former son going back to where he started I think that's going to be a nice role player that's a trend of the trade deadline by the way I've seen that a lot yeah no you absolutely have you absolutely have it's it's kind of been funny to see um Part of this deal was also the Bucks and Pacers. Uh, so originally, Jay Crowder was coming to the Nets. They flipped him to Milwaukee. The Nets got those two second rounders that I talked about. Crowder um, to the Bucks. Jordan Wara, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka going to Indiana. So, hey, I think the Bucks getting Jay Crowder. Listen, I know he hasn't played all year. And the last memory we have of him it was in that Western Conference final where he was absolutely awful, uh, or second round series to Dallas rather, uh, where he was absolutely awful. But I I know the Bucks have been coveting him, so you know kudos to them for getting him. And Serge wasn't playing for them anyway. Yeah, no, I think they gave up a bunch of dead weight and two second round picks, which you know I don't really give a shit about. Um, yeah, the Nets that I I don't know how to say it other than they, they did the best they could with the cars that they were dealt in this situation. And I'm going to pound the table. I don't care what Knicks hater fans say or whatever. I know for a fact, if I was a Nets fan, I would have done it 10 times over four years ago. Um, and you got what you could. I'm sorry. It sucks. I'm laughing. I'm crying. Sorry. No, you should laugh. Listen, Tom, seriously. I, and I mean this sincerely. You should, you know, you should gloat. Respectively, it's not like your team's been going to the Eastern Conference. Say, yeah, what leg do I have to stand on? <laughs> you, you've made, you know, but I did come in there on that on that day wearing my sleeveless Nets jersey, dancing on your grave, and and laughing at you for not getting these two guys that you set up your entire franchise for. Remember, that was only a couple months removed from trading Porzingis for cap space for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But at the end of the day, you do have a little bit of gloating to do. Uh, I was expecting several championships and at least one and. Didn't even snip <laughs> Maybe it, an so. Eastern Conference Finals appearance, at least. Yeah. You said you took down the banners from you. You took a nice picture of you passing Barclays the other day. I did. I didn't know I was going to have to take down KD's face as well. I just had to make sure Kyrie's was down. I might have to go back out there on Atlantic Avenue. I, they already showed they pulled all his stuff, so you, the, your, your work is done. Yeah, but, there um, was nothing there when I was out there. No, no. It's like a fucking um, ghost town. It's crazy, man, but like I said, it's... I'm happy they gave it a shot. What I'm interested to get your perspective last part on the Nets here, because we have so much else to talk about. Do you think that the way in which Kyrie left, oddly enough, he has a huge popularity level amongst his peers. 
the way in which Durant left and was unhappy with the organization, obviously Harden didn't seem to have a lot of great things to say. Is it going to be hard for the Nets under this ownership group and if Mark stays the GM to attract other stars? I don't think the ownership groups really matters. I think Joe Sy is very well respected, and eventually he put his foot down. I think if you gave him truth serum, he would have had uh, this team run a lot differently from the jump when he went and got these guys. It would have been run more like a front office and not the players run the teams because players are terrible GMs. Uh, look at LeBron's career. Um but I, I, I think Sean Marks has to go. And I really like the head coach. Um, what's his name? What's your head coach's name? Jack Vaughn. I really like the head coach. He could, uh, If they can keep him around, great. I think Sean Marks has to go. I just don't think it'll be respected, whether it's right or not. You know these players are going to take the, are gonna believe the players over their agents or ownership or whatever. And, I mean, Kyrie Irving already is delusionally bad-mouthing the Nets as it is. So I do think that somebody has to go and somebody has to pay whether or not it's their fault or not because it's we're, time will tell, but I do think that they're going to have a hard time attracting free agents um, and getting guys in trades where you know they promise that they're going to sign after to an extension or whatever. I, I do think that they're going to have a hard time. Not to mention that they're the second team in the in the uh, in New York. You know they're back to playing second fiddle and whatever. But aside from that, this whole culture bullshit is out the window. I, I agree with you on Marks. He has clearly not shown the indication that he's a good GM for solidified teams. But team builder. He has, he's a team builder. And with these young players and with this insane amount of draft capital, I oddly enough think that he's the man for this job. I, I don't think that you want to tra- that you want to get rid of a guy who you know, made Cam Thomas the 27th overall pick and made, you know, Nick Claxton the 33rd overall pick. Yeah. And obviously we saw what he did with Levert and Jared Allen and, you know, got Joe Harris for pennies on the dollar and discovered Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, it's like, okay, like we've seen him fill out, you know, even Edmund Sumner has been a really nice surprise this year. I, I They got him off Indiana because he came off an Achilles. Like, He's good at finding guys like that, and the Nets are back in the position where that's kind of what they need to prioritize. So, time I, will I, tell. I, I kind of feel like they they need to stick with him for for at least the short term. In that sense, time will tell. But I also have to agree with you. Um, I do think marks if you want to build from within. The one thing the Nets can have, and I think they'll refuse to have, is a full on tear it down rebuild because then no, it's won't. just Paul Pierce KG all over again and Houston's going to go ahead and get themselves another Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You can't have yeah. that again and it won't happen again. I'm saying it won't that happen right again. They already have too much talent on the team and they're they are so well positioned. Like would you be surprised on draft night that the next star, the Nets are like you know, what if Toronto decides to eventually re-engage on Pascal Siakam or, yeah, you know. They have, the, they have plenty. Like that. Now they got the cap space and they definitely have the draft capital. Although I will say I think the Knicks are the next team in line to make a big move. I'm just hoping it's the right one. Well, how about we segue into your Knicks? I think we spoke enough about that, right? Do you have any last things you want to say on the Suns? I think we're in under in agreement that no, nah, there's not the much to say. I think that I think that they're by far the favorites um, in the Western Conference, followed by Denver, and then a little bit of drop off to Memphis and Golden State because of the KD injury, um, and then the rest can file in how they want. The Steph injury, you mean? Yeah, who did I say? You said KD. 
Katie got injured there too, so my brain just farted. But what can you do? <laughs> yeah, the Steph That's injured. Okay. I know who. I know He's who out for like over um, a month. So. Yeah, Tom, your New York Knicks trade slid a little under the radar with all the craziness, but yeah. Josh Hart for Cam Reddish in a 2023 first. That's protected, watery protected. I love this move for your team. I I was telling you, you guys should get Josh Hart. I love this move too. First of all, Tibbs hated Reddish. Reddish, aside from the first game, didn't play at all. So that's kind of a dead asset there. And then this 2023 protected first round pick. And, and Bleacher Report got me again, Sean. They got me again. Because that's why I don't have them. Fuck there was There was a headline where it was like, 2023 protected first round pick. If it if they don't get the Portland doesn't get the first round pick, it could turn into many more with one of those shock faces. I look at it. If if it doesn't happen in 2023, if if the Knicks hit higher than that pick, it turns into four second round picks. So fuck you, Bleacher Report. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. The way they write it, obviously to get clicks so that I read their ads, they make it sound like it's fucking gonna turn into three first rounders or something. That's hilarious. But I, I do so love this happy trade. To be off of that app. Yeah, I know. I like to have it because the things come in fast, and then I could text you and give me my own Woj bomb. But that, and that's literally the only reason why I keep it around. <laughs> um, but now that now that there's really no Woj bombs for me to give you, because I missed the one last night because I fell asleep. Um, I, I think I might delete the app too. Uh, would yeah, that be? I, I I did my shams bomb for you this morning. You did. I woke up to it, and you were the first person I texted today. I just wrote, holy shit. I mean, I didn't expect it, obviously, but we're done talking about that. Love the Josh Hart trade for the Knicks. I think he is great defensively. He's a 3 and D guy. I, I think it's great. Yeah, you reunite him with Brunson from their Villanova days, and I think this time he might have a home that sticks. We've joked about it on the pod. He gets traded every single year, but this seems to be the perfect spot for him. He's exactly what the Knicks need. And it's not flashy. You didn't have to give up much. I will say this, though. Uh, I'm not going to say one negative thing about Josh Hart because there's nothing negative to say. But I really thought there was more you could have done at this deadline. I agree with you, but the one player that kept getting floating out, floated out there seemingly to every single team was OG Ananobi. And I think I argued this on last part, podcast. Is, is, is OG Ananobi that much better than Josh Hart that we would have, this trade would have looked like three unprotected first round picks or lightly protected as opposed to this deal? That's my only case for that. I do think that they could have been more aggressive on Levine or DeRozan or some of those guys. I am, a, I am slightly disappointed on that, but I do, I think the Knicks, it's frustrating because I feel like the Knicks think that they are, you know, the Warriors or the Lakers or whatever, where, you know, they're going to, they're, we're, well, we're holding out for the best star where it's like, let's just, let's just get the guy. So same thing with Mitchell in hindsight, where I was upset about the amount of package, but now in hindsight, I can admit that I was wrong. They should have gone and get him. Let's go get the guy so that the next guy is actually enticed to come here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not necessarily even criticizing them for not paying, you know, a buck 80 on a dollar for OG Ananobi. I mean, this was, as we talked about a seller's market or a, a Ananobi, that, a- that whole thing, let me tell you, is wild. And I just think the inflation rates on these NBA players is absurd. Yeah. And we're, we've got to be in for a reset, dude. I mean, even the Kevin Durant trade, I'm, I'm happy for you guys. And clearly that's the going rate for him because he's one of the greatest players of all time, but there has got to be a market correction coming at some point. 
I think that we're going to see it in the new CBA um, amongst many things. Uh, it's gotten out of control. As I said, this was a seller's market, not a buyer's market. It ultimately comes down to a game of chicken. And, you know, man, there's far there's far less bad GMs than there used to be. And GMs now are much more measured. They have, you know, pretty deep and, you know, pretty sophisticated analytic departments that are not going to let these rash, crazy decisions be made out on a whim just because you're winning two straight games. You know, it's just but like. Could you have gone out and gotten a couple of these other guys we're going to talk about who got dealt? You know, could you have gone and gotten another guard? And why is Obi Toppin still on the fucking team? He is not going to play a single second for Tom Thibodeau. And I, I don't know why he's still on this team. I don't know why Evan Fournier is still on this team. I don't know why Derek Rose is still on that, this team. That is where I'm it's a shame. Or about there's a couple of fringe players that I think could have helped the Knicks where you could have given up one of those first if it meant dumping Toppin. Like, I'm, I know that the name sounds a little ridiculous, but like, could you have gotten could you have gotten Karis Levert, a microwave scorer who can come off the bench and shoot and score points for you? I know he doesn't play a lick of defense, so maybe that's a bad a bad example. But I mean, he's going to help you a lot more than Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier, and Toby Toppin are going to help you. I agree. There, there was off the top of my head. I, I can't think of one. I know you were just using Levert as an example, but I know there was players out there. I mean, honestly, now that I had my apology to Quigley, uh, there's only a few players on this team that are important enough to keep, and that's Brunson, Quigley, uh, Randall, and R.J. Barrett, unless the deal is right. That's it. Everybody else should have been say, gone. Did you say? Did you say Grimes? I think you want to hold on to Grimes. I, I do, but Grimes I put in the same category as R.J. Barrett, where if the deal is right, then deal him. But it, but it, it can't be. The rest of these guys are just dead weight on the team, taking up space. And let's combine them or whatever and, and put them together. I mean, Eric Gordon could have been had. He was, yeah. I mean, I, I think he wants to go to – I think they wanted him to go to a contender – the Knicks aren't a contender, but yeah, man, I don't know. I, I just think with some of those guys, it's like they are not. I think there's a there's a disconnect within the Knicks organization about Obi Toppin. I think the front a office thousand percent agree his potential, and Tibbs sees him every day. Is like this dude's not that good. Well, I know, but it's like what potential is there? I mean, how many times do I have to make the argument that this guy entered the league? And he's supposed to be this ready-made NBA player that does th- certain things at an at a NBA starter's level. And the only thing he does at an NBA starter's level is is do in-between-the-leg dunks on fast break, uh, on fast breaks. I mean, that's it. He's in his third year in the league. He you hasn't know, gotten a lick better. Yeah, and, and that's how I feel about Barrett now. I mean, I think we have to stop using the word potential for him. He's not He's not closing games. That's why you got Josh Hart to do that. And... You know, that's, that's I agree with rough, you in one sense. I just rough. think you can't throw them in the same basket because I do think R.J. Barrett has gotten better and he's a much better player than Obi Toppin and he's worth more. That's the only reason why I say you got to make sure the deal's Toppin, right. Yes, but you know, I, I think again is that's a guy you drafted with a third overall pick. You yeah, know, he's not he, a rising star. I mean, he's not Zion yeah. or Ja who got drafted in front of him. Of course, no, of course, man. that's my he life. Even, he isn't even Tyrese Halliburton. Fuck you. You're right, but yeah. yeah. But like, you know, that's the thing, though, is like the NBA is so catered to these young guys. And I know Julius Randle, that's kind of his team and has been his team. But 
there have been opportunities for Barrett to, I mean, last year he, it looked like he was ascending. And then this year he's kind of fallen back to what he was in years one and two. And that's why I kind of laugh when I look, look at Cam Thomas and I look at Nick Claxton. I'm like, these guys have gotten better every Could you every imagine if they were on the month. Knicks? Well, that's why I laugh because I'm like, oh, well, the Knicks fans don't want to trade R.J. Barrett or Quentin Grimes. And it's like, well, Cam Thomas isn't going to get talked about. It's like, dude's dropped 43 times in a row. I don't care what his usage rate that is. That's stupid. And Nick Claxton might be defensive player of the year. Yep. Like. It's it's just those like you've got to develop those players like that's the that's the disconnect with the Knicks organization. Well, these players who you are drafting, forget about who. But you, you also have on, to you also you've have to develop to, them. I agree with you, but again, this goes back to like you said, there's a disconnect in the front office because I do think that these players could be developed. But look at the head coach; he doesn't want that's to develop good. players. He wants guys that are ready made, ready to play forty minutes a night and know exactly what their role is. Yeah, and then get those weird nights like the Philly game where Fournier goes off, and it's like, oh, what a what a great pro staying ready. It's like he's not going to play anymore. <laughs> Why is he on the team? He only played because R.J. Barrett was a last minute scratch, which to me, I thought he was getting. I was almost positive he was getting traded, but I think yeah. he actually was like sick or something. Um, yeah, the Knicks are just a walking contradiction, and I and and they're playing well, and they're in the playoff hunt, so I feel like it gets overlooked. But I've been pointing it out; for, we've both been pointing it out for years. They are truly a walking contradiction. They it, it should or get off the pot time, and I think this summer, because it didn't happen at this trade deadline, is really going to be the summer where this front office of the Kentucky guys and the former agents, it, it's this year or it's never, and then we have to clean house yet again. There, it's setting up for potentially a really interesting arms race between the Knicks and the Nets for the next available star because mm-hmm. both are well positioned to go get that guy. No doubt about it, and and I'm interested to see. You might have another laugh again if this star, whether he's being traded or he's a free agent, because you know when you're being traded, you're basically a free agent because. Just like the Nets, the teams are going to ask acquiesce to where you want to go. It'll be interesting to see which team that said player chooses. For sure, but no, the, Knicks, the Knicks, the yeah. Knicks, and I'm sorry, I'm, I, the Knicks bring in all these fucking Kentucky guys, and it's like, who's the Kentucky guy we have? Julius Randle, who was here before you guys got here. Well, I listened to Simmons and Rosello part one talking about the Durant trade, and towards the end of the podcast. They mentioned the Knicks as being, you know, the team, that stealthy team for the next star. And they mentioned Devin Booker in case things fall apart. But what's weird about that is like, well, Devin Booker is not a free agent until 2028. And Phoenix is not in a position with the new ownership where they're going to have to sell him off. Devin Booker's going nowhere, dude. That's his city. So that's my piece is it's like, okay, what do you, what star are you holding out for with Kentucky ties? If it's not Devin Booker, you know who it is. You got to go get it. You know who it is, and I'm not going to be happy about it when it happens. He's in Minnesota. Oh, I didn't even consider Cat. Yeah, Cat. <laughs> and that's just so fucking classic, Knicks. Go out and get a guy that's never proven he's been a winner since. Even in Kentucky, he didn't win a national title. Never proven he could do anything in the league, but he puts up big stats and losing efforts, and he's a name. That is so Knicks. He did win, right? He didn't win, no. They won undefeated and lost in the Final Four. Yeah, he was on that 15 team. Um, No, they won with AD. 
Yeah, that's right. The only Cal Perry title, which still is pretty crazy to me when you think about the talent they've had. Um, but circling back, just to fit, tie the bow on the Knicks, man, I, I really do think Hart was a perfect trade. You didn't have to give up much. And now I think it's, like you said, should get off the pot time. Walking contradiction, I think, is a perfect, perfect comment about the Knicks. And summer's going to be huge for you, man. I agree. Um, and again, it's uh, I could talk about the Knicks for another six hours about how I, none of this makes sense how the front office is keeping Tibbs around or how the or how if if they Dolan, have been winning though they, they have, have been winning some games like that Philly win was great and then they go on but the road not, and but beat here's a my thing Orlando team. here's my thing we're not winning a title with this team so no. our focus should be stay where you are with with you know Randall and Brunson and everything but develop the young guys. Let's develop them into tradable assets to be the best that they can be, or let's determine that they are part of our cornerstone for the future. And we're not doing either of those. No, you're not. Um, Walking contradiction. In the meantime, meantime, uh, Josh Hart is a perfect guy that fits the immediate now and is somebody you can keep around for a while because he fits every team. Love it. Um, Yeah, you got to love it. I loved it for you guys. Um, A big trade that happened last night, a couple hours prior to the Kevin Durant blockbuster, the Lakers, Wolves, and Jazz swung a three-team deal that I found very interesting. The Lakers welcomed home D'Angelo Russell, former number two overall pick. They also got Jarrett Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley from the Utah Jazz. The Timberwolves got Mike Conley Jr. in three seconds. I have no idea what Minnesota's talking about. We got or doing rather. We got to talk about them. <laughs> and then the Jazz, they continue to go. They get Russell Westbrook, who they're going to buy out. The Lakers coveted 2027 first that they finally gave it up, Tom. And then um, that was really all that Utah got. But I think it was I was shocked at what the Lakers were able to pry. Um, There has to be some collusion here because I can't understand how you get Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell for all his faults and Jared Vanderbilt. Three guys that are greatly going to help that team just to dump the enigma that is Russell Westbrook and that 2027 first. My only hot take for this one is that I think Mike Conley would have been a better fit on the Lakers than D'Angelo Russell. Um, Mm. I just think if he's healthy, he's a better player and a better player for a LeBron team. D'Angelo Russell is only good when the ball is in his hands, and who's, who's got the ball in their hands on the Lakers? It's LeBron James, one of the best players ever with the ball in his hands. Um, but yeah, this was, this was a fleecing, I don't know how the Lakers pulled this shit off. They did the same fucking thing with Pau Gasol a few years back. Uh, the feel like the only player that they've ever traded for, for equal value or somewhat is Anthony Davis, but that's a good point. I I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, maybe they have another, maybe all these hypnotists are out there and the, and the Lakers are hiring them too. Uh, maybe the Knicks could dip into that someday, but <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the Russell move, I don't really like it. I don't see how he fits on this team unless it's coming off the bench, but I don't I really think that's know. What it is. Who's starting a point guard then? I'm trying to well, think. Well, that's the yeah, I mean, they Schroeder? could maybe start Yeah, I think you could start Schroeder if you want to if he plays better with LeBron. I don't know, is Russell at a point where he's willing to be that facilitator cuz he really is better as a as a microwave scorer. Yeah, I mean, he came out of college as a facilitator, but he is, you know, James Harden like. Well, Houston James Harden like, because right now James Harden's playing much better uh, when it comes to passing the ball. But I don't. He's just. 
It's like playing when the ball's not in his hands, you're playing four on five on offense. And that's not a LeBron team. LeBron needs guys cutting. But Vanderbilt and Beasley, Beasley getting out there in LA, that he's got that dog in him. You know he was dating Scottie Pippen's wife for a little bit of time. Scottie there, Pippen so. Jr., by the way, on the Lakers. So does Scottie Pippen, Pippen Jr. have to call him dad, or does he just say Malik? Oh, he's got to call him dad. If I'm Malik, I'm walking in and saying, you're calling me dad. No, call that's, me pops. That's, that's just the things that are really interesting that we really need to get into. Um, but, I mean, Vanderbilt, the fact that he became expendable on Utah because they got that other center, what's his name? Um, Walker Kessler. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. And the Lakers fleeced them. They, they fucking fleece him. I mean, I understand that 2027 pick is gold, but that wasn't even in this deal. It was in the other one. Right? No, or is it all the one. same deal? No, it was in this one. It, it ended up going to Utah um, because then you've got this Conley situation. That was just really weird. I just I think Conley would have been so much better of a fit on the Lakers. I really don't know what they were doing there unless Conley's – Really, I mean, I haven't watched much jazz this year, but unless Conley's really passed everything where he's just basically in Kyle Lowry territory, he's just so much better of a fit. And then the other thing is I'm going to go ahead and report. um, You wrote expected. They will reach a buyout because there's no way in hell Russell Westbrook is playing in Utah. He hates Utah. I just had to write that because it's it's not done yet. But um, I'd like to speculate with you in a couple seconds about where he might land, but the Conley thing to me makes no sense. I didn't even consider him being a better fit with the Lakers. Uh, that's a really interesting point by you. I don't know what the fuck Minnesota is doing unless they think this is four years ago and this Conley Gobert pairing is gonna is suddenly gonna cure all their ills. Like Conley's done, man. He's a fine role player at this point in his career, but like. Was D'Angelo Russell that bad that he's that you had to ship him out? Because now you he's know he's been playing well lately. Yeah, his numbers are are, are up there for sure. Um, as for the Jazz, yeah, they're going to buy out Russ. They got another first, um, which could be gold, like you said. If the Lakers, if this thing doesn't work, um, as far as like, okay, forget about Russ for just one quick second. Where does this put the Lakers in the West? We got to talk about this. They got a lot better. And you know what? I'm just going to throw this in there, too. They got Mo Bamba today. Yeah, they really needed a center. Um, I mean, who, who the hell is playing center for the Lakers? I can't even think. I well, guess they had Thomas Bryant playing center. Oh, yeah. And they shipped him out to Denver. He was undersized anyways. I, I do think this is a good move, and he's another guy where he can he can play outside of the paint, and he's proven that he can knock down the three. I think maybe LeBron figures out a way to make him a better player um, and just get him more open shots. He's a pretty good lob guy as well, and he's a good rim prote- He's a good, decent shot blocker at the rim. Sometimes he can get sunned by some of the bigger, stronger centers. Like, I think he's going to have a tough time with Jokic or with well, an Embiid or whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think he's going to do a lot better job rim protecting. I mean, this puts the Lakers for me. I said earlier, um, in my opinion, it's it's Phoenix and Denver, and then you drop down to that second tier. I think this puts the Lakers just getting rid of Westbrook for one, and then the second part is obviously acquiring all these players. I think this puts the Lakers right in that second tier um, with Memphis and their woes and Golden State with Curry, got the name right that time, being hurt and all that. I think this puts them in that like six to 
three seed range, depending on how healthy AD is, really. I think, I mean, obviously everything relies on AD's health. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I completely agree with you. First of all, you just got better. Let's just call it out it is. You got three players that are better in the positions than the ones that were occupying those positions. And, you know, I didn't watch the LeBron suck fest the other night, by the way. We didn't say it, so we might as well address LeBron. I hate to say it. I was a lot. I'm sorry, but I was a lot more concerned with watching Kyrie play last night than I cared about LeBron breaking the record. I hate to say that. Yeah, in all seriousness, basketball is not a sport where records really matter. It's a it, like the numbers really are like a hundred for will, you know, hundred points per game. That one be broken, and then the eleven rings of Russell. Other than that, that's kind of it. But this was a huge deal for LeBron, and he did it in a Lakers jersey. He had Kareem there. This is a Magic career there. award. It's a career award. And listen, I don't want to I don't want to diminish it because it's not worth diminishing. He's been one of the best players of all time and he's done it for a really long time. You have to do that for a long time and be healthy to get this award, but as as this is happening, Russ is not even involved. And then it comes out that he had an altercation with Darvin Ham at halftime. Uh, he wasn't wearing the Lakers colors. He was pretty much absent. So it's like, okay, he's finally, he's definitely going to get traded. So you get rid of that toxic environment. And I don't blame it totally on Russ. I'm sure you agree. Russ is going to be known as a great stats, mediocre team guy. And you know what? There's a lot of guys, Tom, in NBA history that are known as those guys. He's going to waltz into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. And it is what it is. But he never fit this team. No, I mean... The Lakers are, if the Lakers didn't have LeBron, they'd be a laughing stock for the decisions that they've made over the past couple of years. I mean, go back and look at the trade that they, that they, the, the capital that they spent to go out and get Russell Westbrook. It's a joke and it was never a fit. We were making fun of it when the news broke. This was never going to work. Russell Westbrook is at his best when he is on a, team that's a fringe playoff team where he can have the ball in his hands at all times and do what he does he was never gonna accept that third banana fourth banana position of course not and anybody who thought that he was going to change his game at this point in his career you know he had just come off by the way willing the wizards to the playoffs and kind of competing with the sixers in that weird playoff series like He's not, he is a ball dominant alpha, which segues us nicely into where does he wind up? The Clippers have been very much rumored. The Heat have been rumored. Like, where A, do you think he'll go? And B, is that the right fit? Or do you have a different best fit in mind? I, I mean, I don't think either of those are the right fit because it goes back to the same point as the Lakers. I mean, the Clippers, I know that they got blitzed last night by by Dallas but you know not a, not every day is a team going to shoot whatever probably 70% from 3 like Dallas did last night they have too many good players for Russell Westbrook to be touching the ball and and both of those teams Miami Heat and the Clippers you say wow Russell would be amazing off the bench well he'd be amazing off the bench if he agreed with it with the Lakers i think both of those are terrible he fits he was playing better off the bench though let's be honest before this last incident he had kind of accepted that role and was playing pretty well no he was but then when it comes to crunch time and whatnot it's just he's going to do Russell things and a team that has better players than him that's trying to win a championship is just not a good fit for him because he's going to 
in the last second take or in the last couple seconds go for a steal where the guy's going to blow by him and then either score or get fouled or he's going to take a shot early in the shot clock when he should be holding the ball or he's going to brick a three-pointer to try and get the lead like that's just him he's just going to do it um as for teams that I think he'll go to it's an interesting question where I think he'll go to where I think he should go is a team where like Toronto or something where he he can kind of be the best player on a on a team that's looking just to sneak into the playoffs because Toronto didn't make any moves. Um, but I, I mean, I could see him going to a Miami to replace those Kyle Lowry minutes. It's really a tough. It's really a tough one because this is what I was thinking about all afternoon. You know, aside from the net stuff, is. You were crying about the nut stuff, but thinking about other stuff. Yeah, you're right. I got all my tears out before the pot. Um, You know, buyout guys of this caliber are usually in very high demand by championship caliber teams. We see it every year. Does he go to Brooklyn? I would only have said yes if the Nets had traded Simmons. Hmm. But they didn't. And now, if you're the Nets and you're ushering in this new you know, era of you want, you know, cause the whole thing with the Nets is you want to get Mikel Bridges. You want to see him balloon his numbers up from what he was, which was kind of held back in that Phoenix team. You've got Cam Thomas, who's on a heater. You want to see him do his thing. So obviously Russ, as you just talked about at, at length there, he's not the kind of guy that's going to acquiesce to any young players. So I don't think he fits there at all. Um, a championship caliber team. Okay, so let's go down the West. Does Denver want him? No. Um, does let's say the Clippers? Do the Clippers want him? Well, you've you've said it's been reported. If I'm the Clippers, it's no. It's been reported, but did, did, do they do they actually want him? And should they want him? I know they traded Reggie Jackson. No, they should. And they bought out John Wall. I don't think they should either. So then it's like, okay, Phoenix, put him with KD again. I don't think so. Um, and then you're looking at the really shitty teams. None of them are going to pick him up where he could possibly recoup some value because those teams are all trying to develop young players and they don't want a Russell Westbrook to get in the way. So he needs to go to one of these weird mid-tier teams like you mentioned and, like, could an Atlanta use him? Like, could could he have a reunion in Washington? They're kind of hovering around. They're not really yeah. doing much. Could Indiana, although I don't think you want him getting in Halliburton. I think Washington is a really good way. spot. They don't have a yeah. point guard. So that's kind of those Atlanta, are the only spots. Atlanta goes back to that old joke that I like to make. I don't think there's enough basketballs on the court. <laughs> Probably not. You already got Murray and, and Trey. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I, he's, it's going to be fascinating. If I were to put money down, I would say that the Clippers are probably the best. It's probably most likely. And then probably Miami just because I think Spolstra and I think Riley like a challenge. Um, but I don't know, man. He is really one of the most fascinating buyout candidates ever because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer whose game doesn't really fit any team that's trying to win. Yeah, but the one thing I will say about these buyout guys where you have them for the rest of the year, if he does go to Miami and it doesn't work, they could just send him home. Sure, that's true too. That's the only thing. Yep. Um, fascinating trade there. Uh, fucking Lakers, man. They really they really got away with it. Uh, you mentioned the Raptors didn't make a trade. They actually did. They got Jakob Pertl, who they once drafted, and they got him for a first-round pick. 
uh, and Kem Birch. Uh, the first round pick is in 2024. San Antonio. I, I got to be honest, man. I mean, I, I thought they probably had better offers that they could have gotten um, for Jakob Pertle because he was the best big man I thought on the trade market. But you know, there's that relationship there between um, the the two organizations and. Hey, why why not? Right? I, I guess the I guess the Raptors think that by not trading any of their stars, that they could kind of pivot and still be really good and contend next year. Yeah, I guess I was wrong that they uh, that they didn't make a trade, but you know what I was you know what I meant by that that they nothing didn't trade. significant, yeah. right? Like they didn't I mean, sell any of their guys. Purtle is a great move, I, and I don't think they gave up. I don't know what the protections are, but I don't think they gave up too much. I, I think this is a win win on both sides. I agree with you. The Spurs. I mean, they already they got Dwayne Dedmond and then bought him out. Um, that's a guy I would like the Nets to go get. Mm. Um, the Celtics got Mike Muscala, and that's kind of an under-the-radar trade. Uh, they got him for Justin Jackson in two seconds. And Mike Muscala is not a brand name, but I think he's a perfect name for Boston. I actually thought Pirtle was the ideal fit for Boston, but I guess they didn't have the package that San Antonio wanted from Toronto. But Mike Muscala, I guarantee you, man, is a guy that nobody really thinks about, but he's going to have a moment or two in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he's a big body. That's what they needed. Yep. And they didn't have a lot of moves to make. I was seeing some like Celtics fans pissed that they didn't trade Pritchard or didn't trade Grant Williams. It's like, for what? Listen, your biggest problem right now is making sure that Robert Williams is healthy and now that Jalen Brown isn't out too long. Like, mm-hmm. This is a basically a perfect team. It is that Jalen Brown thing and Robert Williams. Obviously, they've needed a big man all year, and I and Horford's playing sparingly. Um, but that Jalen Brown thing could really, especially because the Bucks are on a heater right now, it could send them down. Absolutely, um, Blazers, Seventy Sixers, and Hornets swung a trade. The Blazers got Matisse Thybul. It was long rumored that the Seventy Sixers were going to move him. Tom, he was a weird guy because a couple of years ago you just had to talk yourself into him because of his lockdown defense. But his defense hasn't been good as as good as it was in the past, and his offense is just non-existent. So you feel like yeah. they probably had to give him up, right? And they got Jalen McDaniel's, who's actually a nice fit for them. He is a better shooter, um, not as good as a defender, but uh, I think that's what they need, uh, somebody to come off the bench and knock it down a little bit. Um, they could really use a Seth Curry. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Tybal just wore out his welcome there. I like Tybal as a player, um, maybe because last night when I watched the Sixers game leading into the the Dallas game, he knocked down 1-3, and I was like, oh, he's got it. <laughs> but um, I, I think I – think, a change of uniform and whatnot might be good for him, and and I think he'll get back to being a three and D guy and knocking down his shot. That's what Portland's hoping for, and and again, they didn't really give up much, so it's not that big of a deal there. And then as for uh, Charlotte, they just got two second round picks, so it really it's no big deal there. Tom, a team I really want to talk about is the Clippers. I love Obviously, this. We, we speculated about Westbrook as a buyout candidate, but they loaded the fuck up on this trade deadline day they got bones highland from denver they got mason Plumley to share up the front court from charlotte they got eric gordon who was finally fucking traded from the rockets and like i said they're expected to buy out john wall and they already traded reggie jackson to charlotte you said you love this so i think john wall went to houston already yes you're right i updated this earlier yeah he went to houston how how fucking funny is that 
I mean, it's continuing the trend. We're going to talk about the Warriors trade after this. A player's well, going back. Gonna buy, Houston's going to buy him out, but. Oh yeah, true, true. But that is there. that is very funny. Houston is. Um, Houston seems like Houston and Utah seem or the Brooklyn Nets of earlier before this whole KD Kyrie thing where it's like, yeah, we'll take your trash. Just uh, just give us a little something, something of value for it. I love it. I love when teams that absolutely suck just accept the fact that they suck and try and get assets for it. I think it's great. Um, but I, I love all these moves from for the Clippers. I was much higher on Bones Highland than clearly Denver was. I just think this guy can shoot the lights out, and he's a type of microwave player. Um, honestly, if I'm going to give him a comp, it's Jamal Crawford. Um, mm. I think he can come off the bench, and he can give you 20 off the bench, and I think that's exactly what the Clippers need for a night where in the regular season where, let's say, Paul George and um, – and Kawhi aren't playing, he could steal you a game with his shooting alone. I watched the Clippers play my team, uh, the shell of my team on Tuesday, or on Monday it was, and I felt that same way. The Clippers could never pull away from the Nets because they just didn't have the third guy that they could go to or that that guard that could create their own shot. Um you know, Reggie Jackson played a really poor game, and obviously they wanted to upgrade that position. And you're right about Bones Highland. I mean, I kind of like that Jamal Crawford comp. I hadn't thought of that, but I mean, I was kind of. I'm gonna be. I'm. I'm gonna love this trade, but I'm really interested to see what he does because a team like Denver that seems to be really, really smart and very good about gauging their own personnel, they seemed very eager to move him. Yeah, that's a good point. I just don't really think he fit the plan with Jokic. And I don't think he ever really got it. I think in a more traditional offense, uh, he'll be able to find his way, especially if he's more coming off the bench and not playing with those big two uh, as often. And then I just love the Eric Gordon. I think he's very good defensively and a guy that can play without the ball better than pretty much anybody because he was with Harden all those years. Uh, He's a knockdown shooter, and he's very good at cutting to the basket. He is, and I've always liked Eric Gordon. I'm happy that he's on a team that has a legitimate chance to By the way. Another yeah. guy coming back to a team he used to be on. Very true. Yeah, wasn't he on that 2019 team that was like, or yeah, the, like the 2018 2019 team that was really fun that had no SGA that was and no he was he, he's he was he's been on the Rockets for a while, but he did start his career out of Indiana on the Clippers. I can look it up for you right now, but he's yeah. been on. I know he's, he's been, been on Houston for a while. Um, yeah, I was trying to remember when he got to Houston, but 2008 to 2011 he was on the Clippers. Uh 2011 to 16 he was on the Pelicans and then 16 to the to right now as of today he was on the Rockets. He's been on the Rockets for that long. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Basically the whole Harden run. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess I I guess Gordon was there at the very beginning of the Lob City. Uh, and then and then moved on to the uh, to New Orleans. Um, well, he yeah, was part of the CP3 trade. I'm going to guess. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's definitely it. Um, Warriors, Tom. They were a little interesting today. They got back Gary Payton the second, and they traded James Wiseman. I guess good on them for punting and realizing he's not the guy. When I first saw Sadiq Bay was going to be traded, I was like, holy shit, they're getting Sadiq Bay. That's a perfect fit. Then I saw he ended up going to the Hawks in this three-team deal. So Golden State, 
they didn't make a huge move. I do think Gary Payton is going to fit them. We obviously, I never thought they should have let him go, but he's going to help them a lot with, with Curry being out. No, yeah, he is um, not the offensive guy, but he's definitely a great lockdown defender, and they've been missing that all season. Only thing I will say is I would have liked to have seen the Warriors grab the Western Conference by the balls a little bit more. I'm going to give you a hot take, and I know I should talk to him a couple of weeks earlier. I think they should have gone out and got Bradley Beal if they could. I think you mentioned that on our pod when we did our NBA rundown. I think Bradley Beal perfect, perfect off ball guy. He can hold down the fort until Curry comes back and win them a few games that they wouldn't have won otherwise. Keep them in position, then Curry comes back, and you're a true title contender right there with Phoenix as well as Denver. Yeah, uh, what do you think of the of giving up on Wiseman? Do you think it was too early, or do you think he just didn't fit their timeline and they they wanted to send him packing? I just think he sucked so bad, and I don't know if it was his fault because his minutes were kind of staggered and his games played were kind of staggered. I think they were trying over the last couple months to boost up his draft stock, but it just wasn't happening, and they just punted. And and they just felt that if they held out any longer, they were going to end up getting nothing for him, and they were going to have to attach a pick to him to get rid of him or just not pick up his option, which is only the Phoenix Suns do that. (laughs) <laughs> the old Phoenix Suns, um, yeah. the Robert Sarver Suns. Yeah, uh, good job with Jalen Smith. Um, I agree with you. I think they had to admit defeat on this one. You've seen Kaminga contribute. You've seen Moody at various times contribute. Wiseman just doesn't fit this team. He doesn't fit what this team wants to be, I don't think, either. And they sent him to Detroit, and Detroit said, listen, he's going he's gonna to immediately play I all think the time. What kills me is I think, I think a Wiseman – if if Bradley Beal was available, which we don't know, and, uh, he's never said he that. I don't think he was, but I just think a Wiseman, a Moody, and two unprotected firsts would have gotten you Beal, and you'd be right there in the top three. They're also a team, I think, that has earned the right to say, let's just get in. I yeah, know two yeah. years ago they said that when they lost to Memphis in the play-in, but that also happened, uh, and Clay wasn't playing then. Um they're off of NBA championship. I think that they're just saying we can, we can do this now. And they, uh, again, I think Gary Payton, he's not a splashy move, but I do think his, them being able to bring in a familiar face who has had success with that team as recently as that championship team last year. I, I do every, think that that's a nice little low key move. Everything he does, they needed, they needed. And I also think that the Warriors are looking at it as um, Wiggins, Sucked at the beginning of the year, then he got hurt, and he sucked again. And Poole has been very up and down, and if they can play to what we're paying them to play to, then we'll be much better post-All-Star game. Agreed 100%, and that's the right way to think. You you know, you, you gave up part of your future, but I guess considering they didn't think he was part of their future, and they didn't give up the house to go get a guy that they probably didn't think would make a huge impact anyway like i said i think they wanted ananobi i think they had an offer that was ready to go at the end of the day this was a seller's market not a buyer's market and they are a very smart and stingy organization that will not overpay for guys and they didn't swim in those waters they've earned the right to at least make that decision 
I agree with you, and, and kudos to them for punting on a pick because there are so many teams in this league that if you use a second overall pick on a guy, you're going to give him way too many opportunities, and it's going to cost your team. I can't wait to revisit that 2020 draft because it's the oddest draft we've ever seen. Oh, Obviously, in November, and it, teams couldn't interview these players in person. You had no real idea there was, you know. I mean, Edwards going one was like Lamelo was like throwing him. You know, he was like, you know, basically self sabotaged to not get drafted by some of these teams. Like, I'll tell you what, Lamelo would look so good on Golden State too. I don't know why he ever did that. Now he's rotting away in in uh, in um, wherever uh, fucking Charlotte. I mean, that's another guy. He might be. I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want his dad in uh, in New York, but I'd like to see him in a Knicks uniform. He'll get moved soon. I think it's a matter of time. There's yeah. no reason he wants to stay there. And honestly, if Jordan sells the team, which sounds like it could happen, uh, there's you know there's no reason for the ownership to be like, yep, we have to have Lamelo Ball. So, um, yeah. Tom, you got to ask the question. I'm not going to give you uh, you know your top three, your top two, just general. Let's start with trade deadline winners. Who are winners that stand out to you uh, now that we're done with the deadline? Winners for me, obviously, the Phoenix Suns. I wouldn't call the Nets a a loser, but I don't really think they're a winner in this situation. Um, Their win was back in 2019, and they got no win since then. (laughs) Um, Ah, you fucker. Clippers, definitely winners. Um, Losers for me. Um, The Knicks didn't make enough deals, as you said. I don't really think I'd put them as a glaring loser, but I would have liked to have seen more done. I do like the Josh Hart trade. Big loser for me is the the Lakers. What? I think they got better, but I still don't think they're good enough to win a championship, and you're giving up an unprotected pick when LeBron and probably AD aren't going to be here anymore. Wow. Okay, you and I are very diametrically opposed here. I have the Lakers as a clear winner. They upgraded at those positions. You get Malik Beasley, who's really going to help you. By the way, we didn't mention it. They shipped off Pat Beverly, I think, for the best. Pat Bev is a pain in the ass. He also is a guy that wears out to his welcome. Mm -hmm. So you got rid of Thomas Bryant. You bring in Vanderbilt and Mo Bamba. You ship out Beverly and Russ. You bring in Vanderbilt and D'Angelo Russell. I I think that they clearly clearly got better and tom even they if got the better don't yes. do great let me just finish my thought even if they don't do great and they don't make this meteoric rise they won by subtraction that is an unhappy team and i think at least the chemistry in that locker room is going to be much improved and darvin ham can actually fucking coach i agree with you in that situation and that circumstance and i would have been all for it had that first round pick not been included but when that first round pick turns into a top three pick we're going to look at it and be like the Lakers did all that shit for what when they could have just bought out Russell Westbrook themselves right or sent them packing I don't think they I I think it's really tough I think that they were pretty much tied to him because as much as as bad as he was I don't think that they could just say we're going to let you go and, and open up a roster spot I don't I think know. the time would have happened already, man. I'm calling them losers in the long right. run because of all the draft picks that they gave up to get Russell Westbrook there, and not to mention you have to attach another draft pick that 
is huge. I know it's four years away, but that's LeBron is not going to be on this fucking team in four years, and I'd be shocked if Anthony Davis is still on this team in four years. I hear you, and and yeah, if you want to play the super super long game, it, it's hard. For I me just to I just think argue, but- if you're going to risk that draft pick, you have to be sure that you have a legitimate chance to win the title. And if they do go to the Western Conference Finals or if they somehow make it to the finals or win, I'll I you know I'll eat my words on this podcast. But I don't even think that this gets them to a Western Conference Finals and the fact that they put that on the table is crazy. I don't think it gets them to a West Final either, but I think at least they're in the conversation to be a fair representative in the West playoffs and maybe win around. Um, I don't, I can't call you a loser if I think you've made your team better. And Tom, here's the one thing about the Lakers. And then I got to give the rest of my winners and losers. The Lakers are not the Knicks. They're not the Nets. They can be in complete turmoil, be completely God awful. And Ron James says, Hey, I want to come play here. And a superstar might say, I want to come play here. You know, and that's what the Lakers have more than just about any team in the league. I, I don't get it. What the fuck is wrong with New York City? Uh, I don't get it either, but the Lakers have that cachet. I mean, if LeBron went to them when he went to them, um, anybody can. Uh, another winner for me, I, I have the Clippers, obviously. Um, I have this. I have the um, I have the Warriors I have the Warriors for not overdoing it. And I also have the Warriors for getting Gary Payton back. I think that's I think that's really good. Um, as for losers, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, what the fuck are you doing? What in the fuck are you doing? Well, they're <laughs> just they're just perpetual losers. They're I mean. perpetual losers. But if you're going to even be involved in the trade deadline and you're bringing Mike Conley Jr. and you don't even get a pick, I'm sorry, they got three seconds. Whoop-de-doo. Um, hey, listen, you can't easy. you can't argue both sides of the coin, Sean. You were talking about how great those seconds were when you were naming all the Nets draft picks. I'm saying the Nets needed them because they had none. Okay, and the Timberwolves have none <laughs> either. But the Timber the Timberwolves went for Rudy fucking Gobert at, at the worst trade ever. You're right; they're perpetual losers. But I I don't like what they did. I I don't think that the 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 swap of Mike Con or D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley matters at all. Um, another loser, I hate to do it. I fucking hate to do it, Tom, because I'm going to look at the bright side, but I have to put the Nets. You mm-hmm. traded the best player in your entire franchise history, a top six to ten player all time. And I, I uh, have to say and this. And didn't negotiate with other teams, which I, I know they did right by him, so I'm not going to criticize Marks and Cy. But it is a loss when you trade Kevin Durant. I have to say this because we already discussed it. Your reputation around the league is already tarnished. I think we can both agree upon that. Just because yes. players talk and they believe the players over over anybody else. Kevin Durant was locked up for three more years. You could yep. have told him to put a uniform on and play. And you know if he was healthy, he was going to do that. You said that on this pod, and he has proven that throughout his career. You could have kept Kevin Durant, tried to ride it out like the Rockets did back in the day with Hakeem Olajuwon, and gone that route. You could have. I will say this, too, just to put a cap on the NBA. And it was LeBron week. Tom, he has left teams in complete dumpster fires and disarray and has blown up teams. But this guy has had every opportunity to ask for trades. He doesn't do it. 
And yeah, he might put the pressure on his teams. We just talked about how this 2027 pick might bite him in the ass. And maybe he's not the best GM. But motherfucker, man, he doesn't do this. Kevin Durant, this is a tar. You talk about the Nets being tarnished. I think this tarnishes Kevin Durant a little bit um, because now he's joining another really good team to win a title. I agree with you. And players of this ilk, talking about top 10 to top 15 players of all time, it doesn't happen often that they get traded in their primes. No. I mean, um, I, I guess can... one last caveat winner. I'm going to say Dallas because we watched him last night and Luca didn't even play and Kyrie was fucking balling. And they Kyrie only committed is... to him for half a year. Kyrie is going to be amazing for the next three months, four months. And then if you're going to make that mistake to sign him, it's not gonna. Yep. He's not gonna be so amazing. Year two, year three. Nope. But we're talking about trade deadline winners yep. and losers, and they're a winner right now. No doubt. And if we're just looking at the team before to the team after, just for the season, that the Lakers are a, a slight winner in my opinion. But I'm talking about long term, and that's why I'm calling them losers. Um, that's fair. We have our own interpretations. Yeah, of course. Um, but they did get better. And they made and listen, if they can catch lightning in a bottle and AD and LeBron are perfectly healthy, they they can win the title just with those two guys. I just I don't even see them making it to the fine the Eastern the Western Conference Finals. I'm sorry, not with the way the West is, but again, I I just can't call you a loser when your immediate team gets better. Yep, that's just that's what happened. All right, let's let's talk about the Super Bowl here. Uh, that's the, happening. That's the, still a thing. Unbelievable how much the NBA's taken over. They have got to be giddy about how much it was talked because I kind of forgot that the Super Bowl was even happening. I haven't heard anything from Radio Row. I haven't paid any attention to any of the interviews, but I am ready for the big game. The big game because it's trademarked and we uh, we have to be careful. We don't want to get sued because we have no money. Yeah, we have no money. I am poor. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Chiefs-Eagles in Phoenix on Sunday at whatever time the Super Bowl starts. Um, 6.20 Eastern. 620 Eastern, uh, we gave out our predictions to Phillips. Uh, Sean, you entrusted me with that. Um, I did. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think it's Chiefs 37, Eagles 31. I told you to ride with your pick um, for two reasons. One, your pick is still alive in the last game of the season, so don't give up now. And I fucking hate the Eagles, and I'm going to use all of my <laughs> hatred and spite to root against them. So I said, let's pick the Chiefs. I like that. I have a slightly lower scoring game. I have Chiefs 26. I have Eagles 23. Okay. Regardless, you and I both think that it's a one-possession game. I think Patrick Mahomes has the ball at the end of the game, and he gets a touchdown. If he's healthy, man... Um, you know, my only concern here is I know that front for Kansas City is so fucking good defensively, but I need to see the them Eagles stop. Are better. I need to see them stop this RPO of Philly, though. It's, yeah. It's just deadly. And you want to talk about a front. The Eagles front compared to the Chiefs offensive line is really the only thing that has me nervous. Eagles probably have the best front in football, and the Chiefs offensive line has not been looking good of late. No, but it is still very good, and 
you know, if Kadarius Tony can play, I don't, I, I saw a report before we went on this podcast that said he was a full participant in practice today. So if he can just give them one fucking game, I know that sounds very hard for Kadarius Tony to do. He's usually a couple snaps and then hamstring tweak, but if they can get him because you can get the ball out in space and you don't have to have Mahomes sit back there for a long time and let that pass rush of Philly come at you with Hassan Reddick and everybody, uh, I think that, you know, Andy Reid can script a game plan where Mahomes kind of warms up a little bit. He gets the ball out of his hands, converts a couple passes to Tony and to Kelsey, maybe a little bit of Pacheco, and then all of a sudden he opens up the field. Yep. No, no doubt about it. Tony, I don't know what the deal is with him. It's always a hamstring. It's like, has he gone to a doctor? Maybe he should stretch more. I don't I don't know. Do yoga with Judge. Yeah. <laughs> Do yoga with Judge and Stan. Yes. Go yoga. Yes, goat yoga, naked yoga, whatever you want. All right, you ready for some props? I'm fucking ready, man. Let's now, do it. Before I start, have you have you found any props um, that you're that you're interested in? So the ones I'm always interested in are obviously I want to know who who do you think is going to win the coin toss? That's that's a given, right? And then, I didn't bet any of these. Um, Gatorade color at the end uh length of national anthem first offensive play who scores first all that shit um but you have a list of props that you're running with right yep i'm going i'm i I didn't bet this but it's the over on the national anthem um it's always i don't know it's always the over for me all right, you ready? I'm just gonna rattle these bad boys off and you can react to them however you want okay okay and these are just going in the order that they're that they're showing up in my FanDuel ledger. Um, I was just going to ask who who's presenting our our props today. FanDuel. FanDuel. Um, no more bookies for me. This is just makes my life so much easier. And there's way more cool shit on FanDuel. And they give me free bets all the time that sometimes I win and it turns into actual bankroll. Um, See, that's just nice. All right, first bet I have here. Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl and either Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler to win the Phoenix Open Waste Management. (laughs) Plus 4,000. Okay. Uh, You predicted Ricky earlier this week. Had to do it. So, fuck it. Let's roll. Chiefs and Ricky, man. Yep. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. It's got to be a quarterback, right? If if City wins, it's going to be Mahomes. Um, first position to score, I pick tight end. You going Kelsey or Goddard? Well, it's just tight end. Just, okay. Just a position. Okay. No, I'm asking you. Just well, like you're going to hear it. I'm not done. I've got a lot All of props right. in here, buddy. All right, fine. Um. I'm going to say running back. I'm going to actually say Pacheco or Sanders. Mm, yeah, I, Sanders was another good bet that I had stuck in my head. All right, first touchdown score combo. Jalen Hurts or Dallas Goddard plus 500. First touchdown score combo. A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard plus 500. Miles Sanders or Dallas Goddard plus 500. Travis Kelsey or Devontae Smith. Travis Kelsey or, De- or Dallas Goddard. And those are my first touchdown scorer combos. Um, most of those are plus around 500. Uh, let's see. Receiving touchdown. I like the little shovel pass to Isaiah Pacheco. Ooh. And that has to be his first TD. Then I have a same game parlay that I put together. 
here. I have the I over. This. I have the over of 57 and a half. Marquez Valdez Scantling plus 25 yards. Dallas Goddard plus 40 yards. They ain't gonna be able to stop Goddard. Patrick Mahomes plus 300 yards. And then the Kansas City Chiefs on an alternate spread of minus five and a half. Um, and that is plus two zero three five. Another right. one. Another one I got for you. Another same game parlay. Travis okay. Kelsey anytime touchdown score. Isaiah Pacheco anytime touchdown score. Dallas Goddard anytime touchdown score. Plus twelve oh nine. Hassan Reddick to record a sack. Now I'm starting to go into the where I got to pay a vig. These are like the smarter bets. Hassan Reddick to record a sack. Yes. Chris Jones to record a sack. Yes. I like both of those. Travis Kelsey, 25-plus receiving yards in each half. That's a Give yes. Me that. Chris Jones to record a sack and Kansas City Chiefs to win, plus 240. Give me that. Give me that. This one was kind of out there, but I was really thinking about it. Isaiah Pacheco to score the first TD and the last TD of the game, plus 7,000. <laughs> I can't go that route, but I love it. All right, um, and then I did this squares thing for the final score. Uh, I just did this for the fuck of it. Um, yeah, they're only doing final scores now, right? You're not doing quarters anymore. I, I saw quarters pop up as we got closer. I don't know if they're doing every quarter. I saw first quarter and I saw final score. But I had Eagles 1 and Chiefs 7. Um, obviously, that's my projection of the score. That's plus 3,400. Um Travis Kelsey, 20-plus receiving yards in the first quarter. Took that one. Um, And I have both teams to complete their first passing attempt. Um, And then I'm at the last one here. You ready? Let's do it. Alternate spread, Chiefs minus 5.5, and and Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown score. And that's it. I really like that one. I mean, obviously, I have the Chiefs winning by three, so I'm not I'm not quite there. I wouldn't. I love it just from the vantage point of you know you're really going for it. I couldn't go that. I couldn't. I couldn't go that far. But I mean, listen, Kelsey and the Chiefs' victory are probably going to be intertwined, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I tied it into my prediction of the game, but then I also covered myself a little bit to win some of that bankroll back with some Eagles players. Good for you. Yeah, no big deal. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, um, are you excited for the game? I am excited for the game. I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, group, you know, one of my uh, one of my friends is hosting a big group of us for the game, so I'll probably go and watch the first half. I don't know if I can commit to the whole game out. As you know, I wake up very early in the morning. Um, yep. On Mondays, but I will definitely, you know, enjoy that. Are you? Do you have any? I mean, we. I like Rihanna. You like Rihanna? Are you excited? This is her first real appearance and years are you gonna watch the halftime oh yeah i'm gonna watch the halftime i love rihanna i gotta do it for my guy asap too shout out to harlem shout out to all my friends in harlem um some people call me uptown t Uh, i don't think that's true (laughs) um but yeah i'm i'm definitely gonna watch it i'm gonna give more of a shit about it than a lot of the ones in the past i like the la one that they had last year i thought that one was really cool but i think rihanna's gonna fucking blow it out this year and make up for all the years that she hasn't performed people forget how fucking iconic she is like as a performer because she hasn't done it in a while like she doesn't have to bro she's a billionaire i know with that fenty i'm not 
I'm not criticizing her one bit, man. I'm just saying. I think that people are like, oh, Rihanna, this could be interesting. It's like, no, you're in for a fucking show. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about this Super Bowl. Although it's kind of been overshadowed by the NBA, but it is nice to remind yourself you got something to look forward to on a Sunday. Yeah, it is. It's the last football game of the year. The season went by really fast. But, you know, worry not because we're about a month away after this game from the start of the new NFL calendar year where we see the flurry of trades and free agent signings and then we got the draft in April. So the NFL never really leaves, man. It doesn't. And we got pitchers and catchers soon if we still care about that. We got the NBA. And And we got March Madness and golf, and we got it covered here on the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Don't you worry, people. No doubt about it. You got anything else good for this weekend? I'm sure it's warmed up down there. It's warmed up big time. I'm going to try to get outside as much as I can. There's a coffee festival here in Austin on Saturday, a bunch of um, small businesses and some of the- a big coffee guy. I know that. I love myself some coffee, and the coffee scene here is very good, as I've told you. So I think I'm going to check that out. Weather should be nice Saturday, and then, yeah, Sunday, you know, kind of hang out and then head over to the friends, watch watch the game with a bunch of my crew, and then come on back. What are you about you? What are you doing for the game? Um, I think I'm going to head over to my other ginger friend, Red's house. Um, before that, it's going to be 45 on Sunday. Might play a little golf. Um, there you go. It's going to be 55 tomorrow. Might sneak out and play a little golf. There you go. Um. Yeah, it's pretty much it. Whatever else Michaela's got planned for the weekend, she's working on Super Bowl Sunday, which is unfortunate. So I'll just head over to my friend's house, lives 10 minutes away, and then I'll I'll be home tucked in bed right after the game's over. Very nice, man. Well, that sounds like a nice weekend. I hope you can get out on the links. And uh, next week we'll be back to, to recap Super Bowl 57, um, talk about, obviously, the waste management, and maybe talk about how some of these NBA stars and their new homes look. Yeah, we're going to see how they shake out. Plus, we have the much-anticipated Russell Westbrook buyout. Oh, baby. Everybody hold your breath. Yep. Ricky Fowler is even through 10 right now. So, let's go, Ricky. Let's go, Ricky. All right, bro. Well, you enjoy the Super Bowl. Wherever you're doing it, everybody else enjoy the Super Bowl. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.